Hey, what's up, everybody? Um, first off, sorry for the hiatus. Um, the holidays happened. And then my son got super sick and shared it with me. And then we got better and then both got sick again. Uh, the joys of daycare. Um, anyway, super excited to be back. Uh, today on the podcast, we have Lulu Bang Bang Hotton. Uh, she is the WBC Adam Weight boxing champion of the world um, and just a really rad lady. Uh, former pro skateboarder. Uh, just a really cool, cool hang. I really enjoyed talking to her and I didn't realize until we got off the call that it was actually like two in the morning um, for her. So uh, really appreciate her taking time. But podcast is back. We got some really dope guests lined up. Um, some real heavy hitters, um, but excited to be back, excited to be, uh, back having these conversations again, uh, hope everybody had an awesome holiday, uh, without further ado, Bang Bang Hotton, boom. Lulu Hotton, welcome to the Satsung Podcast, how are you? What's up, man, I'm good, keeping it real over here. Yeah, so I just looked up what time it is where you're at, and that's crazy that you're doing <laughs> right. this right now. <laughs> <laughs> So good. Sometimes it works out like that, though. Yeah. Are you an early riser by nature? Ah, uh, yeah, pretty much. Generally up and at it by uh, at least five. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I try to do the same too. I have kids, so for me to like work out and get training in, I have to, I have to start get super super early. early. Right? Yeah, I got to get it done before <laughs> everyone else wakes up. What time are you up normally? Um, between 5.30 and 6, if I'm sleeping in 6, but usually try to be up by 5.30 so I can get to the gym by 6. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. good though. Hey, it's like your little hour of power, man. Yeah, I agree. It's, there's something cool. <laughs> there's something cool about uh, working out when most people are sleeping. And then like I always notice like on my drive home, you see people like just like lights on houses just, just kind of coming on and you're just like, I already <laughs> kicked ass today. You're just getting up. I know. <laughs> It's a pretty red feeling. It's like when I'm out, I'm only out running at that time. So the sun's coming up. I'm like, yeah, I caught the sunrise. <laughs> Dude, so um, I don't know much about you. After we first started talking, I watched uh, a whole bunch of your fights. And we'll, oh, we'll yeah. get to that later. But tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Yeah, um, um, I'm out here. I'm from Perth, Western Australia. And I've uh, been boxing for about six years. Um, two-time world champion. Um, and yeah, just loving it. I have two children as well. So I've been basically based in the States for the last three years of my life. So back and forth from here and there and juggling children and boxing. And yeah, it's been crazy. Uh, I'm also a former skateboarder. So I was skateboarding in my teen years and traveling. Also got to compete in the States and travel and compete in some World Cups alongside people like Tony Hawk and Paul Rodriguez. Nigel Houston and people like that. So I've had a pretty epic life so far. Yeah, no, let's talk about skating because I grew up skating. Um, oh, for real? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for me, it was like, um, you know, I saw the zero skateboarding video, Thrill of It All, okay. when I was like 11 or 12, you know, like Eric Ellington, Adrian Lopez, yep. that whole like original zero team. Um, and just became obsessed. You know, I was never like an awesome skater, but I've just always had, a, just always been in the counterculture. Yeah. You know, and dug the, 
dug the things that most people weren't into. And at the time when I was skateboarding at that time, skateboarding was still a very like, still pretty fresh. Hey. Yeah. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't like it was after <laughs> Tony Hawk pro skater came out. Then, you know, it was like <laughs> after video games happened, then everybody um, kind of got on the bandwagon. I mean, mm -hmm. I think I was skating about, about then, like, uh, I'd say just around 2000, yeah. 2001 around about then so it was kind of blowing up over here as well um skate parks back then though aren't what they are today over here like we have some crazy crazy stuff popping up here and there and um yeah like i remember those days in the do you remember watching s medic marty and um videos like that yeah you know, with tom penny and stuff. yeah man that <laughs> s team was sweet i remember they did that oh, yeah that one video they were like the only skate team that had people from all over the world and if you remember yeah. they had that video where they did like they went to thailand with eric costin yeah because yeah, that's France. the video i'm talking yeah. about oh, man it was so, so good bad. i used to get up every day and just chuck that in it was back to the videos <laughs> yeah yeah no yeah yes yep man things used to start jumping because you've just watched them so much mm -hmm. but yeah that video was my go-to it was so good well it's cool that you stayed an athlete you know that was a really weird era of skateboarding because there's mm. tom penny was one of those dudes that was this like freakish gifted skater yeah. and then just Odd, fell uh, off hey, the like face he, of the earth he did he just disappeared but he was his front side flips that's what he had down that was mm -hmm. so good yeah, yeah and that was creative. just so stylish but yeah he did he just kind of disappeared for a bit um and those days eric costum was like killing it Back then, and day one song. You remember yep. day one? Yeah. Oh, man, he's so crazy, crazy back then. Like the stuff he was doing then was just epic. So the stuff they're doing now is just mind blowing. Like I watch it, I'm like, damn, man, skateboarding has just, I don't know what happened to it. It's just evolved into some kind of freakish monster, you know? Yeah, I think it's like, we, we talk, you know, I live in a little mountain town and we talk about that with skiing all the time, you know, like, back in the day when when they first started making following that skateboarding model and making ski videos it was like if you could jump off a cliff with your skis and kind of land it you were going to be a pro skier <laughs> and now there's like 16 year old kids doing like triple backflips you know <laughs> it's like you don't get it man <laughs> they do that stuff. yeah, yeah just zero you know, fear when i was um skating the world cups eric custom was at that at the one at one of them at the first one and then paul rodriguez who was pretty young but ryan sheckler and mm -hmm. um, he was a 10 year old man he was like a baby i was like damn this is, look at this kid and he'd go around and he'd like skate and he'd be in the competition and he's so competitive back then that he would like do a trick that the other guys are trying and he'd just like come roll up with like heaps of steez and just like bang it out and it just roll off and everyone's like oh <laughs> Like I remember, I remember kid. seeing seeing the first like pictures of him in Skateboarder magazine, and his skateboard was like as tall as him. You yeah, know? and he's like doing kickflip nose grinds and shit. You're just like, oh, so and nice. he turned, you know, and he turned into a freak too. He just kept at it, and that's the thing. Yeah. Like we talk about that with, um, you know, I'm more in the MMA world. I try yeah. to, I tr I have a hurt knee right now, so for the past couple of weeks, it's just been boxing. But yeah. like. We, what we're seeing in MMA, we're still kind of in the era of somebody that grew up wrestling and boxing and then kind of filling in the blanks and becoming an MMA fighter. And we're a couple yeah. years away from seeing 
kids that have that just grown up doing thing. everything just you know doing that yeah and it would be epic man like when mm-hmm. when that breed comes through it's gonna be like a whole different level yeah yeah, yeah. like i think like boxing has changed over the years like i i love to watch um she ray leonard and you know Hagler and all those kind of fights duran and Tommy Hearns, like, I just think that there was such great days, but the boxing, I think, has even changed, like, watching that and looking how it's progressed over time, like, I, I think boxers nowadays are standing, like, toe-to-toe, like, all the time and just using, like, the smallest angles to change, but, you know, when you watch Sugar Ray Leonard fight, he's just so much, like, movement and... Mm-hmm. Um, just so much expression in his movement, like Muhammad Ali, you know, and, and it yeah. was entertaining still. It wasn't like he was stinking the joint out. He was actually just super entertaining by setting his punches up and setting his shots up with that movement. It just, it's like he's dancing, you know? Yeah, you know, my, my favorite boxer of all time is uh, Roy Jones. You know, yeah. I remember watching him as a kid and, you know, it, it was obvious that if that athleticism started to like, go down that that style wouldn't work but I remember watching him fight and the way he would move his feet mm. Prince Nassim that's another guy you know oh yeah just, epic man oh my god <laughs> yeah and so, so good so entertaining and flamboyant uh-huh. as well yeah like, and it's gone oh I was just gonna say how do you how do you think boxing is has changed the most because what I feel like is there used to be um there used to be a lot more like individual styles you know, yeah. and it would be like, um, there was always those guys, like you're saying, like Arturo Gotti, Mickey Ward, right? They'd plant their feet and just be like, all right, let's go. Let's go but, for it, yeah. But I, I feel like there used to be a lot of styles, it you know, like styles. Tyson had his own style. Holyfield had his own style. And that's what made these epic fights was it was like. Yeah, style man. Style. Like, I don't know. Boxing has changed over like, And I think it comes back. Like, I get what you're saying. Like, a lot of people just kind of standing and toe-to-toe and it it does like the styles do make fights and having those different kind of styles makes it really interesting um i think it comes back down to the trainers and the teachers like i don't think that there is as quality trainers and teachers of boxing as what they used to be you know like they had some of the og trainers that would train the fighter to their specific style or to their strengths and their movements which i then think brought out their their different um creativity in the ring like um sweet pea like he mm-hmm. was completely different as well like you know pernell whitaker like just crazy i think it was just made boxing like super entertaining though like but back then you know like now we got like people like teofimo lopez coming out who i think that has has really got some crazy natural ability and some power and he's definitely going to be one to watch coming up and growing like he's already undisputed champion so. i can't believe how young he is i actually I was, know i was actually getting tattooed uh when him and loma fought yeah and um it was <laughs> he funny met, he's got the full package i'm telling you met, i met the guy and yeah he's got the personality he's got the strength he's got the power he's got the movement and he just i think he can just see stuff in the ring that you know he's very tuned in and He's, yeah, he's going to have to hire someone to start carrying his belts for him. He's running out of, he's running out of room. <laughs> I'm telling you, hey. After that I think last his fight. old man will proudly carry his belts yep. for him, though. <laughs> yeah, it was funny, you know, leading up to that fight, the fellow that was sitting next to me, you know, he wasn't watching the fight. He was kind of listening. And 
he's like, oh, you know, it was like the eighth round. And he's like, yeah, they're saying that it's like half and half. I was like, bro, I'm watching this fight. This shit ain't yeah, half and he's half. shutting no. him out. Like, he's shutting him out. What a great fight, though, hey. Yeah, and it's so it's so wild because I feel like Loma is one of those guys, right? It was like when, when we watched Tyson lose for the first time, you're like, oh, shit, I didn't know that yeah. that could happen. That was going to happen, yeah. Yeah, you know, and and, you know, to see – you could see Loma. I think for me, it was the first time that I've seen Lomachenko. You could see in his face in between rounds, he was like, shit, he has my He's number. Frustrated. <laughs> yeah. He was so frustrated in the beginning. Like I just found like people saying he was getting off late, which he did. Like he wasn't, Loma wasn't a Loma that everybody's used to seeing, you know, like mm -hmm. they're seeing him dominate with his angles and his movement and just getting into people's heads. And he just never was able to do that with Lopez. And um, I think he just got super frustrated early and, and you could see it. And, and he was weary of his power, man. Um, you know, he's got freakish power. Yeah. He kept every time Loma would try to cut that angle. There was a couple times when Lopez would throw that check hook and hit him, and you'd see Loma be like, "All right, fuck, that's not a door. I can, you know, I can't walk through there yeah. anymore." Yeah. And you know, what? I've seen Loma like kind of get like, um, like he fought Linares, and he got, I think he got dropped by Linares, mm -hmm. and when he fought Campbell as well, like I, I was like, man, if he crosses them feet and gets caught at the, at the wrong time, he can just easily go down, and because footwork is his thing, you know. But if you get caught at the wrong time, you just lose a bit of balance and get caught in between. And that's enough to send you down to the canvas, you know? Well, what so, do you think, you know, to me, that's like the, the that's the magic and, and, and purity of combat sports is that it's like yeah. everybody can have their day, oh, you know? Yeah. And, and no, yeah, I don't, I don't absolutely. know, I don't know any fighters that go into a fight being like, I don't know, man. I, you know, I just, I might be able to win this fight. You know, every fighter is going in there like, yeah, dude, I'm going to Yeah, we're going in to win, man. <laughs> That's right. Like you're in there. You're, someone's going to take your head off. Well, guess what? You're trying to do the same to them. So, yeah. so I think my last fight was uh, pretty crazy and hectic. So uh, it was a pretty, pretty good fight like in New York. And I got, I got dropped to the canvas in the sixth round, but I actually went into the fight with a fractured thumb right thumb like two weeks before the fight and you know that's my power hand so I, I kept taking a few like left hooks on the face because I I didn't even want to use it you know what I mean and then I was like oh shit I better start using this hand because otherwise you know what I mean but I, the, the, I was dominating the fight and I got up and just dominated even more but it's just one of those moments where you're like oh damn <laughs> shit yeah. I'm gonna get my <laughs> Well, talk, talk a bit about mindset, because um, to me, that's that's always the the thing that I'm most interested in when I talk to fighters. Um, yeah, is you know I train really religiously, but I've never fought. I've competed in jujitsu, but you know I feel like it's a whole different monster when you know your living is on the line. And I don't so tell me how boxing works as opposed to pay, because MMA typically it's Here's your show pay. Here's your win pay. Is boxing the same way? Ah, uh, no. You pretty much just sign the contract for that that price. And oh, well, that, dude, I wish yeah. MMA was that way because that's the thing that sucks. Because like we're saying, an MMA fighter could be fucking dominating a fight and then get clipped, and you just lost half your money. And you're gone. Oh wow, for real? Mm -hmm. That's crazy. I don't know, I know if it works like that. I don't know if it works like that out here in Australia either. I, I, 
pretty sure I'm not, but I'm, I wouldn't know, to be honest with you. But no, I, we, we just signed the contract for what's agreed and then that's what it is. But talking about mindset, like mindset is huge, 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 huge for any of these kind of um, sports, you know, martial arts or when you're going into combat, I think that's, you know, you can't teach heart. You, you got to have a heart and have that willpower. But mindset is what can make such a big difference in, in the way a fight will go and um, your preparation, I think. Um, you know, I, my first coach always told me, like, um, in every training camp, you're going to have different obstacles to overcome. And it was one of the most best pieces of advice that I was given because it is like you could be overcoming like an injury or just a mental mental thing or even something personal in your life that you're trying to overcome and you're going to actually have to push all of those things aside to be to remain focused and in the zone to be able to get through your preparation to hit your goals you make your weight and you know get all the workout like you're shattered and you're dropping weight and you're um you know you're just trying to get what you need to get done in that time to be able to walk into the ring on fire and be at your sharpest moment. So um, I love, like, I love the challenge of all of that stuff. I actually um, find it really enjoyable, even though it can be quite challenging. Like there's moments when I would be in a training camp, like really pushing myself and, and sometimes just be in tears, you know, like there was a lot of times actually that I spent um, while I was in the States just because I was away from my family, friends and children for quite a long period of time that I would, I would go running, man. I would just be like in tears, but you know, I'll just continue to see myself on that bigger picture of what I'm doing and, and the goals and what I'm trying to achieve, you know? So I would just run with tears coming out of my eyes and be like, Oh, and then I'd sit under this tree and I would just be like meditate and be grateful for where I am and appreciate everything that I'm doing. Cause it's been a goal of mine since I was a kid to be able to be out in the States and be competing on that kind of level. So yeah, mindset is huge, but many, many moments in training camps, you've got to overcome some kind of adversity. So. Yeah. So then by the time of the fight, you're just like, the, oh, the shit the up, shit's man. done let's go you know <laughs> yeah exactly exactly but you know it's about i think having that bigger picture and that bigger vision of what you're trying to create because sometimes we can get caught up like just in general in life of um things that are happening and and adversities or challenges that we're trying to overcome and, and forget about the bigger picture you know like you would be feeling that with what you're creating with your music and stuff like it would have been a moment where you had to have that breakthrough period and leading up to those moments that most people don't really see could be like super challenging and trying to keep yourself on your path. And at the end of the day, like nobody's going to do what you do with the passion that you do it. Do you know what I mean? It's up to you and it's all on you. Like you have a team around you that's going to be working for the greater good, but it's actually you who's driving everything that mm -hmm. you want to create in your life, you know? Yeah, I totally relate to that. And I, and I, you know, one thing that I always remind myself is that there's this like, you know, for me, I've always wanted to do what I'm doing for a living. And, yeah. you know, I think that when you pick an unorthodox path where you say, okay, well, I'm going to be a professional skateboarder, a professional fighter, a professional artist, that, you know, there's this common misconception that like, yeah, well, that's living a dream. And it's like, yeah, dude, it is living a dream. But there's sacrifices that come with it. Like you're saying, you're doing a training camp on the other side of the planet away from your family. You know, I have to leave my family for 
sometimes over a month at a time, you know, to go play shows. And it's like playing the shows is the greatest thing in the world, but it still doesn't take away from those. Yeah. Those times where everything hits you. Those lonely moments. Fuck. I just want to see my kids, you know? (laughs) I know you get like those super lonely moments and they'd say like boxing is one of the loneliest sports. I'd have to, I would have to agree, you know, because, um, you know, you can have your band there jamming with you and everybody's vibing that, but in, in, and the same with boxing, like everybody's kind of, your team is vibing with you, but so, sometimes you feel alone because you're the only one that's doing that hard grind and you're, they don't know what it feels like, to, mm-hmm. how your body's feeling or they can't relate to that or um, what it feels like when everybody's eating like just general food and you're cutting weight and eating freaking rabbit food, you know? <laughs> yeah, and they're, and they're just like the pressure, the pressure's on you. The it's, pressure, um, yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing, right, is that there's the you have the best team in the world and that feels really, really good in the gym. But at the end of the day, you're, you know, you're getting in there by yourself. Yeah. And and we see it with dudes all the time where it's like, yeah, that's great, dude. You get to walk to the cage with your whole squad and you feel like, yeah, this is us. This is us. And then they lock that. It's you dog. (laughs) It's you. Yeah, totally. Like, I love that feeling though. Like I used to go there with skating um, I remember my first World Cup. I was 16, and that's when, like, everybody was out. In everybody came over to Melbourne, and um, you know that's when Tony Hawk and Eric Costin, Rodney Mullen, Oof. like, uh, dude, seriously, like some of the names in that roof. I was just like that kid, and I was like, oh my god! Like, I remember sitting with Rodney and just like chatting to him. I'm like fuck man i'm sitting here talking to ronnie mom <laughs> like this is the og of, yep. of skateboarding and i was climbing up on the vert ramp when tony was skating and i'm like yo but when i was on the zone like on on the um when i was skating out there i was like in my zone you know like it, everybody else kind of faded away and i was just in my thing and just practicing my tricks and just loving loving just being on my board and being at one with myself on the board like everything kind of just faded away and I didn't even realize how packed that arena was it was like epic man it was so crazy well I think that's a gift and I think that you know um you would go there with your music though right oh yeah 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 to me to me and I'm one of the few musicians I know like for me the more people the less nervous I am. If we're in like some random town in Kentucky on a Tuesday and there's only 150 people there, then I'm nervous. But if we're playing a mm-hmm. festival and there's 5,000 people there, I'm like, this is, yeah, this is my shit. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, this is the thing. Exactly. Oh yeah, this is what I'm built yeah. to do. But it's like, I think that's a gift because there's, um, you know, there's countless people and whether it's fighting or music or skating or whatever that, you know, when they're alone, or you see like those dudes in the gym that are like, you know, I, I, I was in, uh, I was training at Henzo Gracie's in New York City. Yeah. And I was talking to one of the instructors and this is a room full of world champions. And I'm like, man, this is just so crazy that it's 6am on a Tuesday. And this like, these are <laughs> all world champions. And he goes, yeah. And he goes, that dude over there, he's a lawyer. He beats the shit out <laughs> of all these guys, but he can't compete. Like oh, wow. it makes him throw up. It makes him shake. He just gets oh, yeah, so yeah. nervous. He can't I think just can't do it. Yeah, I know. But in the gym, I admit, he smokes he's world just champions. <laughs> yeah, you know, 
I know that's crazy. Like I could never really comprehend that, you know, cause I was competing in skating since I was young and like, I love it. Like I, I just get so geared up and just so full of energy. Like I would be coming to skate comps and just be so amped and same with boxing. Like I just, I just love being in that zone. And, and to me, like I see musicians go there, like there's some of the greatest musicians that I watch, like, and I just love feeling their energy and feeling their vibe is when they're completely in their own zone. And it's just such a magical thing to see, um, to see people go to that place. Cause you just, so passionate and so like just in the moment and that place when you're completely in the moment it's not easy to find on a daily you know like I find it in my sport and I feel like I'm just kind of living in my own world not living in my own world but like you know finding my own vibes and finding my own energy and I think um one of my friends we were talking and he's like, you know, when I met Lulu, she was just like, the world could have just fallen away and she'd have just been in her own world. Like when I watched her train, he was like, I knew she was going to be something because I could just see her just be in her own world, you know? But um, I think it's such an amazing feeling. Like I think a lot of people trying to get in touch with that feeling in particular with meditation and things like that, which I think is important in the world today, how, how the world is exactly. Yeah. Like a hundred percent. And I think that's a, that there's a lot of tools to help. But one thing I think of all the time when I'm having those moments, like we're talking about where you like, you miss your family, you're sad, you're, yeah. you know, you're like, all the things you're sacrificing kind of smack you in the face. But it's like, mm. the amount of people that don't know what it's like to be like in that moment, like you in the ring or me on stage where it's like, no, this is my shit. This is what I was built to do. This is me actually living out my destiny. You know, I feel like the mass, you know, the mass, you know, populace, um, it was never gifted with falling into their purpose. Yeah. So they look for it for other things, whether it's, you know, partying or, or, or whatever Alcohol, it may be. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's these traps. Filling up like, distractions, like distractions, mm-hmm. you know, and I know, like I've read a bit of your story, man, because I love your music. Like it's so amazing and just touches me. And and actually, when I would have some of those moments, man, when I'm running out of the states and doing my thing, like I would sit under my tree and listen to listen to your jams, man. And I'd be like, oh, yeah. How okay. did you find out? Like, I don't even know how I found it. I just like I was <laughs> like, yo, I love this. I love this stuff. Like it's so deep. It's so true. And it's just so like it would just connect me and just make me feel just um yeah just kind of like on my path and just feeling like okay like there's things I'm going through that is not easy and I'm the only one that I'm really feeling it to this level and and it would just help me get through some of those times man like seriously that's <laughs> I love, awesome. like I love your song I am it's just that hits me so deeply um yeah but I think I think that like what you're saying is um like living the dream and that kind of stuff and falling into your purpose. Like it is, it's such a gift um, to be honest with you. And and after my skateboarding, I actually, I lost that. Do you know what I mean? Like I got, I wouldn't say distracted with life, like life just kind of happened and I had my beautiful children and that kind of stuff. And that distracted me away from, from my ultimate dream of when I was young of wanting to become one of the best in the world as an athlete. Um, and that led me down to depression and things like that. And I couldn't put my finger on what exactly what that was. So, you know, there was times 
in between skateboarding and boxing that I was like going through a really heavy depression and I couldn't put my finger on what it was until I found boxing and I was like oh damn like this is it like you know as soon as I walked into a gym there was no question about it I just had that inner feeling like oh this is what you're gonna do and and then I was like this big brainwave went off I was like okay this is my second chance to be able to fulfill the dreams that I've fell a bit short on with skateboarding and I was like let's go (laughs) so so how did that happen were you just like you know how did yeah how did how did it end with end up boxing did you just be like okay this is something i want to try and you just went to a boxing gym and then we're just like yep this is it i tell you what was happening like i was actually going through separation with um my children's father and i was skateboarding again because i was teaching skateboarding and i thought okay maybe i'll skate and i was kind of having fun and competing again and and getting all my tricks back, but I was like, mm, there's something kind of missing. And one of my friends at the time, she's like, hey, they have this women's fitness class where all the mums are going from school. Do you think you can come with me? And I was like, yeah, I'll come. Like, that'd be, that'd be cool. So I went along to that and um, pretty much that was it. I was hooked. Yeah. And that was actually, I actually started, it was a um, kickboxing, like fitness class. And I just, man, I had so much like pent up feelings going on inside of me, like anger, frustration, like hurt from what I was going through. And I was, I was actually drinking a fair bit of alcohol at the time. Like as we do, like we grab these things as advice to help us through that actually just doesn't, it's just a distraction. And it's just something that you're using to like mask the pains of what you're going through. So when I was in the gym and I got to hit stuff and just feel that, electric energy like that i felt from skateboarding i was like i'm in what do yeah. i need to do? sign me up <laughs> I, th- I think that's the i've always said like alcohol and drugs like here's your problem and alcohol and drugs they don't get rid of it they just move it further down the timeline yeah. it's like eventually you're gonna you're see gonna have that to shit. face it mm-hmm. and what i've seen yeah. in training for me was it kept bringing it closer and closer and closer and closer mm-hmm. Because I, f- I feel like with combat sports, the training is just so rigorous. And especially when you're on that learning curve where people are so much better than you and you have all the anger, the aggression and everything in the world and you're still getting your ass kicked. Yeah. So it, like, it brings you to these breaking points. It humbles just, you too. It humbles yeah. you, yeah. So you're just yeah. staring at yourself and you're like. Yeah, you know, it makes you like really go internal, doesn't it? Like yeah. you go a bit searching uh, for what what you're doing and yeah it's it's, it's a crazy thing like you're so spot on with that yeah I've cried I've cried in the gym more than anywhere else (laughs) you know in my life (laughs) you know yeah but it is like and I I found that you know when I first started I I had no clue what I was doing like I said I was starting doing kickboxing and I, I met my first week in the gym um I, th- I thought to myself, man, I like this. So I rang the gym and I said, oh, well, what's on, like, what kind of classes do you have on tonight? Like, I was only in a morning, pretty much women's class, like with all the mums. And then I'm ringing and they're like, oh, well, there's this fighter's class on. And normally you have to grade to get into it. I was like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. And they were like, mm, yeah, I guess you'll be okay. And I'm like, what do I need? And they're just like, come along. So I met the fight trainer like really early. His name's Dean Timms. And he's just such a dude. Like he just helped me through so much at that period of my life. But 
as soon as I was in there, I was like, I want to fight. And he's looking, I had no idea what I was doing. I was like, I want to fight. And I'm talking to the girl that I got partnered up with. I was like, oh, how long have you been here? And she's like, oh, a year and a half. And I'm like, how many fights have you had? And she's, she says, no, I haven't had any yet. And I go, what do you mean you haven't had it? Like I couldn't fathom like, well, you're in the fighters class. You haven't had a fight yet. And she says, she turns around and says, oh, well, when Dean tells me I'm ready. And I looked at him and I was like, what do you mean when he tells you you're ready? Like, isn't that something you would just decide when you're ready? <laughs> like I had no mm. idea, but I'm actually thankful that I didn't have any idea because a few weeks after I started, I was actually in my first fight. So was, How'd you do? Um, uh, I, I threw everything that I could throw. I, I'd come up short. I didn't win, yeah. but I'm pretty sure I heard it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny. Um, you know, we, we see all the time, like in MMA, we get, you know, that's the nature of the gym is we have so many people that just come in and go, Hey, I want to be a fighter. And we're like, okay. Um, (laughs) And, you know, so it's like, you know, our big focus is always jujitsu, but it's funny, man. We've seen my buddy Shane, that was pretty much his story, you know, and in three years he went like seven and two, you know, he won his first two fights just on sure just aggression you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that was, i'm yeah. pretty sure that was me in the in my first fight like i didn't even seriously i just still didn't even know what i was doing i just knew that i could throw punches and hit someone and i was like oh that's enough for me like that sounds pretty good <laughs> the rest is details i'll just hit them you yeah. know yeah <laughs> <laughs> but you know like it was so good for me because i had like about three weeks to train for a fight like it you know, and I had to drop six, uh, what's that? Six kilos, which would be about, no, pounds. Like, what's that? 12, 12, Yeah, 13. like a fair bit. So my, and at the time, I was like, like I said, you when I first started, I was drinking a lot. And, you know, and um, Dean says to me, oh, you have to stop drinking. You have to stop smoking. And that was a moment in my life, to be honest with you, that I'd, ne- I'd completely stopped I was like yep no problem like not a problem at all and that's the first moment in my life that I actually hadn't had any alcohol like you know because I would drink like just on weekends with friends and stuff and like skateboarding culture that was a lot of oh yeah you know going to the going to the park and having a beer or whatever like and from the age of like really young like 13 I was you know, dabbling with alcohol and out partying and stuff like that. So it was like one of the first moments in my life when I didn't drink at all for very, very long periods of time. Like I was super clean of alcohol. And I tell you what, man, when you do that and you realize you just gain so much clarity and also you really understand that alcohol is such a vice you know, that, that if you don't actually stop it completely, you would probably never really know how you use it to um, cover shit up or to yep. deal with things. Like, even if you just to come home and have one or two drinks at the end of the day, like a glass of wine, but you, it actually just relaxes you and you use it to just like people go to it just to wind down from their day, but they don't realise that how much they're using alcohol and how much it's consuming parts of their life. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And how many other tools there are to get that same release? Like, fuck man, go take a hot shower and then a cold one, you know? It's so true. Yeah. And, and we see, you know, I, I always tell people, 
you know, I think when you're young, you know, I used to never get hangovers. And, and, <laughs> and my involvement with skateboarding was very much the punk rock yeah. um, pool skating thing. So it was like, you know, we got to the, to the park at 11 and it was, you just drinking and skating until you couldn't skate yeah. anymore. You know, it was yeah. like, okay, cool. I've had too many and you know, I can't, I can't, yeah, I, I can't get on my board anymore, you know? And that was it. That was the culture. And it was like, but that, that was the culture. Like, I think, I feel like it's changed now because you see them training and they're in yep. the gym. Like that, that never existed. It wasn't training. It was like, you were skating every day. Sure. But you didn't look at it like a normal sport. Do you know what I mean? And now they are. And I guess they're having a lot more benefits from that, especially with recovery and strength and things like that. But yeah, back then, man, that so was the culture, but it made it super fun. Like, do you know yeah. John Curdiel? Do you remember uh -uh. John Curdiel? Uh -uh. He used to skate like um, bowls and Tony Trujillo, you know, Tony mm -hmm. Trujillo? Yep. Yeah, they came out one trip to um, Australia and I was living in uh, Queensland at the time. They came and did like a big bowl riders competition in Caloundra. And I had, I actually had a couple of injuries in my ankle. So I was like, yeah, I won't really skate, but as soon as I um, started hitting a couple of the beers, I was like, oh, where's my board? I'm going to skate. Mm -hmm. you know, I just had such a crazy time with those guys partying. It was pretty epic. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, they're loose too. Like, that's so Oh, loose. yeah. Man, I remember seeing, you know, some of my sister's friends drunk, like hammered. And then <laughs> they would drop into the pool and they would do these runs across the park because the – you know, the, a lot of those dudes, like the old, like, Steve, Steve Caballero and, and that, that genre of skateboarding was, how fucking fast can I go? It's not about tricks. It's not about anything. It's how can I hit these bowls and come out and just, you know, and just watching these guys going 40 miles an hour on a skateboard. And I'm like, dude, you fell over walking a minute ago and you're just flying <laughs> on your board. Or like, yeah. or, or the old school, like, you know, like we were talking about, you know, I remember in that thrill of it all video, Eric Ellington does this, oh, like, yeah. it's so like four, four sets of six stairs is so big. And he's like hung over as can be, you can tell he just looks like shit. He's like 120 pounds. It's just like mangled, hung over, greasy mess. Yeah. <laughs> it's like 25 stairs. It's like, what the fuck, man? You know? Yeah, I can relate to that. Like, I, I would say that I was functioning. I was a functional. <laughs> so after I would have a couple, I could, I could, I still was on fire on my boards. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, I didn't drink a lot when I was on my board. But when I did find that, because it's definitely around pool skating and stuff and bowl skating, like it seemed to be more of the culture to, mm -hmm. you know, have a long neck and get on the board and just have a have a couple of them and then just like slash it Cruise. out yeah yeah man like it's so much was part of especially living in queensland a lot of pole, um like bowls and stuff that we were skating but i i definitely could skate on my board still really good when i'd had a few like i don't know what it was but i, I, yeah, I, I would be like you like like you just said about these guys like they're just like walking as soon as you get on your board though you're like on it do you know what i mean it was bizarre yeah. I, um, so how did you, how did you get it? So you've only been boxing six years Yeah. and you're the WBC champ. Like, yeah. <laughs> how, so how many fights did you take as an amateur? And then when were you like, all right, you know, this is what I'm going to do. This is, you know, this is it. 
Yeah, well, pretty much as soon as I walked into the gym, I saw a picture of the WBC belt, like on a poster or something. I was like, oh, I want to get one of them. And that was it. <laughs> this was my mission, you know what I mean? So um, I, actually, I actually fought two amateur fights, um, not really by choice because I just wanted to jump in with the pros. Like I loved the whole like show and just – you know, the lights and the music and just the whole ring entrance and that kind of stuff. Like it just super appealed to me. Um, so I had two amateur fights and then I turned professional in 2014. Um, I had won my first world title in my seventh pro fight, which was that one, the WBO, um, which I won in Japan. So, uh, you know, I got to compete over in Japan so pretty much in nine boxing fights in my life, I became a world champion. So it was pretty, I was just like, I, I want this. This is what I'm doing. And I just went all in, man. Like that's, that's pretty much all, the only way that you can, I feel like you can be a fighter is be all or nothing. Cause there's so much work that's involved that you have to just have such tunnel vision. But yeah, it was pretty epic, man. Like I think it was 2000 and, 16, yeah, I won my first world title. 2015, I won my um, the WBO Asia Pacific title, which was which then got me into the rankings for world title opportunities. So, yeah, that's awesome. And I got to uh, finally win the WBC belt when I was in the states. So, um, 2018, I won it in LA at the StubHub. So, it was pretty crazy. Man. It's been yeah. a journey, like crazy, crazy journey. I I think that if I could do everything quicker I would you know what I mean like just that um the momentum of stuff because I've had moments in my career where I've actually haven't been able to fight either um you know just waiting for opportunities so I think to be honest with you I've been boxing six years but I've also spent you know two of those years sitting out waiting not being able to compete not being able to fight so you know like it it's challenging if you want to be great at something, you just want to do the thing every single, like, you know, you, training is good, but competing, like you just want to be doing it on a regular basis. And so you can continue to grow as an athlete and get better and better. So I think that's one of been my biggest challenges is I guess, you know, trying to get that consistency with fights. So you could be fighting. I mean, I would love to fight four times a year. Yeah. What's it, yeah. what's it, what's it like right now with COVID? You know, I know I, pretty much everyone, but the UFC is hurting right now. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's really crazy, man. Like I, I feel like COVID is affecting everybody in some way. Um, I guess for me, like I'm back out here in Perth in Australia and um, actually it's a blessing to be back here, to be honest with you, because I'm feeling for you guys so much in the States and everywhere else around the world. Um, yeah, Australia's like good right now. Y'all are like yeah, back to normal, right? Australia's, yeah, well, Australia's pretty good, especially where I'm from, man. Like, uh, I'm from Perth, so it's one of the most isolated cities in the world. And f uh, for once in our lifetime, it's working for us. So in nine months, we haven't had any community spread of COVID. So we've pretty much been going out and living, you know, as relatively normal as we can be. And I think because I came back last year from the States in August and I don't really feel like people here have a big idea of how it feels and what's really going on outside that like we see it on TV, but they don't know 
I don't know what it feels like because I've pretty much been living day-to-day life here like normal. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think, I think they went into lockdown over here when it first began, maybe back in March, mm-hmm. around about March, April, because I came back in April as well. And that's when they went into a bit of a lockdown and the kids were possibly going to be homeschooled and things like that. But they caught it like Mark McGowan, who's our premier, which would be like your governor, caught it pretty quickly and shut it down because I really don't think that it would cope very well if it broke out here. So mm-hmm. they've been really controlling it, which has also mean like the restrictions of travel and things like that have been intense, like yeah, crazy. That. Yeah, like you can't leave the state and our state's pretty been much locked up from the rest of our country for the whole time, which only opened up the borders to travel to different states over Christmas time and they've already shut them down again already. So it's been it's been crazy. But for definitely for my sport, it's it's been tough. Like there's a, a fighters that are getting to go and um, getting to be on and I know that I'm speaking to some friends like with the PBC and top rank and things like that they're doing the bubble mm-hmm. so the fighters will spend time in the bubble and um, testing and things like that which is you know I think is the only way that they can do it but it's it's I know it's crazy man like I saw Canelo fought in Texas and there was I think like 12,000 people in the stadium I'm just like yeah. Well, it's it's hard. I can't get my head around it, man. Yeah. Well, the it's it's hard because like um, you know, uh, you've spent enough time in the states. You know, I think the thing with Americans is there is a uh, you know, it's kind of a freedom over everything, over safety, over you know. So it's this like it, it's hard because you have a portion of our country that's taking it so seriously that they wear the fucking mask, the gloves, the face shield, they're like crazy, won't leave their house. And then you have other people that are like, man, fuck this. I got stuff to do. Yeah. You know? So it's like, it's really, it's really hard. Cause it's like, I, at this point in the States, I have zero hope that, or zero faith that we're going to, um, control this get rid of it no, I don't yeah there's I just don't no way past that point you know what mm-hmm. i mean so what do you do like you go out living and to be honest with you i was on a zoom call yesterday with some um boxing family and friends you know and they've been affected so bad like um yeah like with death like people passing away from covid and family members and you know one of one of them had lost his wife just before Christmas, and mm-hmm. you know it was really devastating. Like it's so devastating, which is the part that we don't. Well, I get it because you know I'm talking to my friends on a regular basis, but the general public over here don't actually don't actually really understand it. And yeah, like what you say, man, it's quite catch twenty two. Like, what do you do? You get on, you get on with your life, you start doing what you need to do because you can't live locked up for the rest of your life. Like, it's just you you can't do it. Like, you have to get on and you know create stuff. And and when you're doing the work that you do, like same with an athlete, it's like, well, that's your that's your bread, man. Like, what yeah. are you gonna do? Like you gotta, you gotta get hustling. You gotta get moving. You gotta create. And you gotta be about what you're all about. So, I just think that is super challenging. Like, yeah, there's people living and not leaving their houses and not going out and homeschooling for you guys has been like since March, which would just be a whole different level of pressure and stress. Yeah, we we live in a small little mountain town, so our kids have been in school. They wear masks all day. 
which is yeah. crazy. But um, so when did they go back to school? They went back um, this fall. Uh-huh. It's just been. And what's you know, that been like, man? Like, no, how no. Old are they? So we, I have three stepkids that I've been with for over 10 years, and their dad has yeah. never been in the picture. So Chloe's 14, Colden's 16. Our oldest is 20, but he just moved to Texas. And then we have a little, uh, almost three-year-old baby. Um, but the two that are in high school, it's pretty much business as usual. They just have these yeah. things, like you can only sit with two people at lunch. Um, everyone's wearing masks. Uh-huh. But it's, um, yeah, it's hard. You must be happy to be back at school, though, at least. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the lockdown thing, you know, I was the one running homeschool. Yeah. You know, so my kids, you know, I was like, I, you know, I don't know what to teach them except shit that I know. So I'm like, <laughs> all right, cool. You know, I made them do like a report on the Black Panthers. I made them, you know, I, I showed them how to budget a tour, you know, and was like, yeah. all right, here, you That's know, red. yeah, and I just was teaching them shit that I know. Um, but yeah, there's that personal connection. And one thing I've seen just in our little town, it, it, the people that are taking it crazy, crazy serious you know, they don't leave their house, they don't have any human contact, but they're on Facebook and shit all the time, is people are going crazy, you know, uh, the way they like, you know, I got, I got, I got this lady berated me for going out, I've been helping a a friend of mine out on his ranch, and she was just like, couldn't believe we were out, I'm like, he lives on a fucking ranch in the middle of nowhere, like, what, you know, it's, it's just crazy. It's like, there's gotta be I think some. It's just a lot of fear, man. Like it's, it's, it's nuts. Can you believe like our world is where it is right now? Like if you had said this in 2019, like you would never even, you would have been like, no way. Like our world will never shut down the way that it has. And now that will never happen. But then I don't, I didn't even know. Like, like sometimes I think about it because I do talk to my friends over there and, you know, and I think about it as well because I love traveling and I love to be getting out and obviously fighting and stuff like that. Like it's one thing that, you know, you got to kind of think outside the box, what am I doing until I'm able to get back in the ring and stuff like that. But um, it's just such a crazy thing. Like I know that there's so much like the energy when I was in the States just last, like the energy I was feeling was like really heavy you know what I mean Mm -hmm. um yeah like I could just feel like a lot of the fear and the suppression that everybody's feeling like even though we can connect like this it's not the same as being able to sit and and actually be connecting with your friends and family and um you know with the energy and that kind of stuff like it's not the same and like the kids having to do their Zoom Zoom schooling and stuff and not be social. Like it's such a different way of being for us and that we're such social beings, like to be out to not be able to have that and be cut off from that is just I think is what's really challenging people mentally at the moment. Yeah, and there's a lot of implications of it too. You know, we're seeing a lot yeah. of mental health shit. Suicides you know, are going up, drug overdoses are going up. Crazy. And yeah. you know, I think it's weird because I'm I'm like somewhere in the middle of the whole thing where it's like, I don't think the answer is, all right, fuck it. Nobody wear masks. We're going back to full capacity, everything, you know, like, I know that's not the answer, but I also like, as a member of the martial arts community, there has not been a, I dude, I have friends that run gyms all across the country 
that have been like, I'm fucking open, man. I don't have a yeah. choice. Like I will, yeah, they have to. I, if, if my gym's not open, I die. Yeah. They're going to lose it. Mm-hmm. So the fact that there has not been an, a single outbreak at a, at a martial arts gym, like what is a more, you'd think that people would be getting it like crazy. Especially and we've had, like yeah, rolling on the floor. Like, and and yeah, sparring and all of it. Everything. You know? Like it's so much physical contact. Yeah. But I would- think, the only thing, and I'm not a fucking scientist, but I think, <laughs> I think the, I think the, the, the fear mongering around the asymptomatic spread, I think that's not correct. I think, mm. I think people having it and not knowing that they have it and giving it to other people, I just don't think that's real because all of these gyms like Alpha Male in California, I mean, there's like a thousand people in there a week. Yeah. Wow. And nobody's got it. And, and, and they're like, so what's happening here, particularly in California, I have a handful of friends that own big UFC gyms in California, yeah. you know? Yeah. And they're like, the government has this whole shutdown, no gatherings of more than five people, but the local sheriffs are like, fuck all that, man, make your money. We're not going to come arrest you. Do your thing. So they're yeah. like business as usual. And like, even at our gym, we've had three people test positive. And one of the dudes I sparred with probably seven rounds the day before he tested positive. And there was oh, like wow. four of us in there that day sparring, like switching rounds with each other. Yeah. yeah. He was the so only one that got it. You would think it would have broke out. Oh, for real? Yeah. None of the other three of us that were in there sparring that day got it. Damn, man. It's crazy because, you, you know, know, I was just having a conversation with my good friend Marcus just the other day. And he's like, yeah, like... I don't know about this, you know, the flu. And this. I'm like, oh, I don't know, because it's like people passing away. And then like listening to that side of it and feeling that, feeling that. And, um, and then hearing what you're saying, like, it's like, there's no understanding of what this no. thing is and what it's really doing. And, and I and don't how know how it is over there, but here we haven't seen us. I have not seen a single thing on mainstream media of, okay, guys, well, 96% of these hospitalizations are people that are vitamin D deficient. So here's what you can do for your immune system. Take your vitamin D3, make sure you're doing cardiovascular exercise, make sure you're getting your greens, you know, like here's how to make your immune system strong. Your immune system and your body just healthier. Yeah, exactly. Because I think, you know, like that's one thing. I was funny because I was just laying there thinking because I want to get in and start doing a lot of stuff with the, the youth um around mental health and around the connection with physical activity and i'm laying in bed i'm like but you know what it's also what we are putting into our body and feeding our bodies is how it affects our mental health and things like that also but it's right you're so right about that like um vitamin d deficiency is like like so rapid that you wouldn't even really know like i have a deficiency in vitamin d and the way that that can mess with your, um, like, your headspace and stuff like that is, is beyond what we even recognize, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, having deficiencies in vitamins and um, things that our body needs to be healthy and strong and, and keep our immune system healthy is, is probably the first education to be, to be able to give, like... We have no clue what this thing is, man. Like, well, and, and in America, it's crazy because, it, you know, the people that are really, and, and there is outlier cases, of course, but like 
and this, you know, the people that are struggling real hard with it are people that have hypertension, obesity, diabetes, and you've been to America. That's a, that's a thing here, man. You know, there's, there's a lot of really unhealthy people here. So it's this like, um, it's rough because it is, it's just ravaging here. And it's because, you know, there's, you know, health isn't at the forefront of most people's minds all the time, you know? And isn't that crazy? Like we only live in one, like one home really. And it's our body. That's what I always say. I'm like, man, (laughs) as far as I know, I only get one of these. So I'm going to be as nice (laughs) as I can. But it took me some time to learn that too. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, with abusing my own body and things like that. But I, yeah, I just think that it's like so crazy. Like over here, like, cause you, you guys never actually shut down like your states or anything like that. Like you were free to move around this whole time, like yep. within your country, even to travel outside of your country, I think, unless the other country that was going to be receiving anybody was shut down. And our country has done the complete opposite. Like every, every state was shut down. The borders were closed and, you know, I don't know what what is a better way to answer. Like that affects everything on a major scale as well. Um, well, your guys' way worked, so there's that. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, it's worked, yeah. but like we're just shut off from everything. Do mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Totally, it's worked. But there's a lot of people hurting over here as well because family, like travel, has been everything for everybody for, for as long as I've been you know, and family members and not being able to get to family and like stuff like that. Like, even though we're not living like where we're thinking, oh, we could get it or this or that, it's actually, we can't travel to see family and um, friends and connect in that way. And we're in our own country as well. So, but I actually feel like they've done a good job here. I would, I truly would much prefer to be living the way that we are right now than having to think about something like this every day or think about will our family members get it and and like are we gonna yeah we had a we had a a scary thing happen at christmas my our three-year-old got sick at daycare and he was super sick and i was like oh i don't you know i'm not thinking much of it like he's got a cold um and then i got it you know, and I had been talking shit this whole time because I'm like, I'm a fucking machine. Like, you know, this shit isn't doing anything to me. But I mean, I was laid up. Yeah, yeah. And I was laid up in bed, you know, and um, dry cough, fever. And I, and I ended up getting tested a couple of days after Christmas. But waiting for that test was really scary because I was like, yeah. fuck, man, I have my wife's family here. And it was like, that's going to be a shitty call of just like, hey, so you guys are in your 70s. And you know, yeah. me and our yeah, little wow. boy might have given you this thing, you know, but yeah, I don't know what the, what the answer is, but it's, um, so you just had a common flu, like, cold? yeah, I just got the flu. So what do you reckon, like out there, like if people are just getting a flu and then like, it could just be the flu as yes, well, Yes, right? well, because, I know I mean, I've had, my bandmate got, the symptoms are like, they're just identical. flu-like symptoms, right? Yes. Like you can't taste and you get the fever and well my bandmate got it and he called to see if he could get a test and he told him the symptoms and they're just like yep you have it and he's like oh okay so they're just like yeah stay home for 14 but then days that's creating but, so much fear as well and it's like how many of these cases are actually cases or how many cases are people that call their public health 
and they're just like, yep, you have it, stay home. And then they mark it as oh, a for case. For real? And they mark it down as a case, like without even testing? Yeah. That's crazy. And then, yeah. man, I would be freaking. Yeah. <laughs> And you like you got a common flu, and they say, "Yep, you've got it." And you're like, for the yeah. next fourteen days, you're just like freaking. Am out. I gonna die? Yeah, totally. I'm not telling yeah. you, man. Like that's just nuts. Yeah, it's a wild time. Let me ask you this: as someone that lives in a different country, what is your scope um, seeing uh, the political unrest here? What's that like watching that from another wow. country? It's it's insane. Like wow, some of those images of what we're seeing is just what is happening and how, how does that happen? Like, how does that even happen? Like, to be honest with you, I don't watch, I don't watch news and I don't watch a lot of the media because I think it's just like, it's not a positive thing to be Mm -hmm. watching all that stuff all the time. But this was, this was hard to ignore. Like, it's just like, you can't not see what's, what was, what was happening. And um, yeah, I just, like sometimes we just think that wow, what that's just craziness. Like that that shit would I don't think that shit would ever happen over in this country. Like Yeah, it's hard. Um like you know, where's I, the security I, and stuff like that? Like on the fucking United dude, States Capitol. Like you think they'd have exactly, that lockdown. Like, but it's it's crazy to me because I you know, on both sides of it in the past year yeah. since since COVID, we've just seen this extremism on both sides yeah. and this huge political Nuts. unrest. And for me, you know, I come back all of the time where it's like healthy people don't go set cars on fire. They don't go break into buildings. They, you know, like healthy people don't do this shit. And I'm, and I'm getting to a place where um, I'm embarrassed because I feel like people used to look to America as this like kind of superpower of like, Yes, yeah, they, totally. they they drive the economy. They they're leading. They're mm-hmm. leading the leading the way for the world. Like totally, man. Like actually, that is a very good view of the way that I think the general public has seen it. And at the moment, no, like with the way that everyone's <laughs> like, what the fuck with? are they drinking over there? <laughs> yeah, with the way COVID uh, has been dealt with, with the outbreaks, with all the Black Lives Matter stuff and all the rioting and all of that kind of stuff. Like it's yeah, it's just all over our news all the time um all this shenanigans with trump like it <laughs> i think i think that in particular like i don't know if you're pro or anti but just having him in that space is just mind-blowing for a lot of us in different countries like how could this guy be running a country like yes a very good businessman but to run a country and just like some of the emotional things yeah to me i think the number one is, yeah and i and for me I think uh, the number one characteristic of somebody that is to be a great leader must be empathy. Yeah, because, totally. Because you have to be able to understand people. Or yes, feel people. And, and, and say, okay, well, I'm not, uh, you know, a single mother on the west side of Chicago, but I can understand how would that what feel? You, I can understand how that would feel to be in the position you are. So when I'm making decisions, I have to take you into account. And and Trump is. Um, I don't think he takes anybody's. No, he's, uh, you know, no, he's, he's into account. It's his I've own never feeling. seen such an, never in my life, not even in a role of leadership. I've just never seen uh, somebody so childlike that late in their life. And I've met a lot of people. And it's just <laughs> this nature of, I didn't lose. 
I'm not wrong. You're wrong. Like for me, I, you know, and along with empathy, I think the, the other sign of a great leader is someone be able to be like, hey, I fucked up. Um, I was wrong about that. Oh, totally. and, and I have a team of people that are, that are working with me to figure out what the right answer is. And I'm going to listen to them because they're smarter than me. And uh, we'll get back to you. But this but how guy, much more do you think like you would gain respect if you're a person like that leading a country? Like you would have respect when you fuck up and, and say, you know what? That was my fuck up. I'm going to fix it up. We've got it. And we're working on it. Like I think just people would just respect that because would understand that we're human beings but you're so right like with him like no this no that it's like dude like you're running you're not just running a country like like what you just said like we would look to america to be leading the way with a lot of stuff in the world the whole world you know you guys are a powerful country and it's pretty much like uh, he's running more than just a country, you know what I mean? His ideas and his decisions affect the world on a whole as well. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, yeah, it's embarrassing. Like, it's embarrassing and I'm not... Um... But it shows with what's happening over there, like with all the, all of like you say, healthy people don't go out and do those things and look how much stuff has been happening in the US over the last year in particular since, you know, I guess since like a lot of the COVID stuff as well, because people are feeling suppressed, they're feeling frustrated, they're feeling angry, they don't know what to do with all of this, you know, pent up emotions. And then you have a leader like that, that is just so emotional that if he decides that he's going to put something out, he just tweets it. Like it's just, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. No filter, no filter. No filter. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, it's a wild time. And I'm, I'm just, uh, yeah, and even with Biden getting elected, I'm just like, man, that's just not even a Band-Aid. That's just like, it's just such a fucking weird time to be an American. And I just have no yeah. clue where we're going, you know, or yeah. what, what the fuck. Because you do the feel it over there. Like when I was there in August, like just pre-elections, like, you know, I could feel that energy. I was, I'd never been around in the States at that time. And I was like, wow, this is, this is really intense. Like. And it wasn't like really in your face. You could just feel it. You could just feel the division of something like that happening in the country and the way people were like really like one or this side and really kind of let each other know like that, you know, it's like almost as if you're in a war of yourself in your own country. Yeah. And I think, and like I was saying, I think the thing with COVID and everybody staying home and turning to Facebook as a way to socialize, you know, I mean, I say this all the time, you know, my, uh, my coach, he, he has all these great one-liners that come out of him at random <laughs> times. And, and, and one of them that, that I, that I love is he said, man, sometimes I meet people that have never been hit in the face before. And I just feel bad for him. <laughs> and we see so much of that. These people take to social media and there's this tone of, of, of disrespect and speaking mm. down to on both sides. It's, mm -hmm. if you don't think what I think, you're an idiot. And I'm yeah. going to tell you, you're a moron. And so there's just this, this lack of, of respect and no one wants to meet in the middle and just shake hands and be like, hey, man, we have way more in common than we don't. Why don't you tell me what you think? I'll tell you what I think. And, 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 and we'll, even if we agree to disagree, like, hey, like we just had a conversation. Have a voice now, hey, because you can like over, over a screen and there's no repercussions of, of being able to voice your opinion and be so stubborn in that also. And you know mean. I mean? You know, yeah, that's, that's the thing with me is like, it's crazy. You know, the nature of our music, 
you know, has created this persona, but like, dude, I've had people pop off at me where I'm just like, man, I fucking, I bet you my truck. If I was standing in front of you, you wouldn't talk to me like that. So ease up. If you want to have some discourse, we, I'm happy to discuss ideas with you. You call me a moron and you're trying to offend me and like talk down to me. Yeah, like, like, why? What the you know, fuck, like, man? What's yeah. the purpose of that? Like, yeah, like all about your music. Like, you know, we're all connected. And, you know, if anything, the social media should show you that we are all connected. But sometimes it's just created this like war against human beings in a, in a more way that everybody can voice their opinion and not give a fuck about it. But, um, really like, like what you're saying, like to be more empathetic to people and to understand that we, you know, like there's nothing wrong with, even if you don't have the same opinion, with still being able to get along with that person. Like I know. And we used to have different that. opinions doesn't mean we have to hate each other. You know, I know it. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know where that went. That's, I think that was a, <laughs> that was something that really came along with Trump because it used to be like, yeah. you know, there was like a small sect of people that, that didn't like Obama. Um, mm -hmm. But there wasn't a, oh, you voted for Obama? Well, I fucking hate you. You yeah. know, where it's like, yeah, Trump, Trump bought a, a weird tribalism uh, along with him. Yeah. When he but was then elected. he was like, like people were like that towards him before he was elected. Do you know what I mean? Like, I remember being um, at a Triple G, Triple G Lemieux flight in New York and um, at Madison Square Garden. And Trump came in. This is like, previous to him being um president and the whole stadium just got up and booed him and i was like holy shit like this is the funniest thing i thought it was comical yeah, so, you know so what i mean i was like wow trump's here and everybody just got up and booed him i actually filmed it i was like this is quite comical and well I, so funny. so my drummer is is born and raised in, in brooklyn new york city and yeah. his his family's from new york city and when you meet people from New York that have lived there for a really long time, Trump's reputation is bad. He is a, yeah. he's a shysty businessman. He, businessman. he would hire whole crews to do million dollar projects and then stiff them and then would have his lawyers mm -hmm. wear their ass out in court because they couldn't afford to defend the case. So these people would do months and months of work and then he wouldn't pay them. And then when they would try to sue him, he would sick his lawyers on him to, to, to bleed him dry. That was his reputation in New York that he was a terrible human being. And he like, he'd buy off politicians so he could get these tax levies on his projects. So like, he's, he's just, he's as fake as fake can be. His whole reputation as a New Yorker was, He's this guy that would get tax fuck breaks. So he, yeah, he'd fuck everybody over and he'd buy these hotels to make it look like he had this grand wealth. But like, you know, in the early 2000s, his net worth was like negative 1.4 million, yeah. you know, yeah. but he's always just, it's always this facade. So the he, persona, every, persona yeah. of him so everyone in New York knows he's full of shit. <laughs> you know? So it's like when, when, when he was becoming president, that was why everywhere he went especially in new york people booed him because they're like we know who the fuck you are dude you're a clown you know? I know. like i just thought it was a fuck man I, I will never forget like i tell the story i'm just like this guy's running a country now like yeah. and i just got up and i was like oh my god they're booing him this is the most hilarious thing that i've actually seen you know like this powerful dude you know what i mean like coming in and everyone's just like fuck you fuck you get out of here yeah all right. Totally. I have um I have uh, a standard list of questions that I ask uh 
every fighter that I have on the podcast. Um, so go through these and then I'll cut you loose. Um, so what is the greatest lesson that you've learned in your career and who taught it to you? Damn, that's a pretty deep question, man. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, like I said, one of those early lessons was you're going to, you're going to have a lot of challenges that you're going to have to overcome in a training camp, but that's life, you know? Like it made me see that as a perspective in life and um, that, that really helped me just um, create that mental strength in things that I'm doing inside the ring and outside in just general life. So it gave me a different perspective. I think that would be one of the biggest lessons. That... Yeah, that's awesome. Um, what, would be an, what would be advice that you would give an up-and-coming fighter? Say you met... Uh, um, you know, girl. someone in their late <laughs> teens. Yeah, a young girl that yeah. said, yeah, I want to be a pro boxer. <laughs> yeah, uh, I would say go for it. You know, um, if, if it makes you, if it, if it makes your heart sing, then go 100% at it. Give it everything you got and, and just believe in yourself because anything's possible. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, what, what was the biggest moment that changed your career where you felt, where you felt like everything, everything changed? Um, I would say like, it wasn't the biggest changing moment in my career as such, but I think winning my first world title was an amazing moment for me um, because it wasn't just about, it wasn't just about winning a world title. It was about achieving the goals that I had dreamed of since I was a 15 year old on my skateboard. Like I wanted to be the best in the world and I wanted to become a world champion. So at that moment, I, I kind of was able to do that. So career-wise, like, man, like I'm just passionate about what I do and I still actually feel like I haven't had a huge breakout fight just yet where I've actually been able to show my potential of what I am as an athlete. Um, so I'm still looking forward to that moment. <laughs> That's awesome. Who's your favorite boxer of all time? Uh, ooh, that's a hard one. I would say I love Sugar Ray Leonard. I love his movement. I love the way he just moved around the ring with so much pizzazz and so much energy and how much he was such an entertainer, but such a fucker badass. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. People always talk about um, his movement and, 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 and yeah, that performative aspect. But when you watch some of those old fights, man, when he lets it go, he fucking cracks. Yeah, man, know? he's on fire. Like he has such good leverage but his combinations and his fluentness on his feet like he you could tell he just watched muhammad ali so much the way he boxed you know i would say triple g is one of my favorite fighters as well of today like i, I would wake up every day and chuck him on before i'd head out for a run just to get g'd up <laughs> yeah, yeah i love that yeah he's a stud what do you, hey let me ask you this too this wasn't on the list but uh what do you think of uh of ryan king what do you think of this kid Garcia? Yeah, Eric Ryan yeah, Garcia, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've been able to, you know, I've been around him a bit. And um, I think, dude, he is he's a superstar in his own way. Um, as a fighter, I think that he's definitely made a great decision to be in the training camp that he's in and be surrounded by someone like Canelo and all of those people because Canelo is a serious athlete. So um, 
he's going to just grow naturally by being around that every day and watching him perform in the ring. So I think he's made great decisions there to be in that camp. And you, I think you'll see this kid just go on levels and levels. Um, I don't know about him jumping in with people like Tiafimo Lopez and Tank, like Javante Davis. I don't think no. he's <laughs> that. Do you know what I mean? Um, but he's definitely, you know, he's definitely got talent and he's still got things that I think that you can see just watching him. Great hand speed. Oh, amazing hand speed, but got to work on that defense a little bit, I think, and sitting down a little bit because he comes out with his chin up. And I'm pretty sure being in that camp, they're going to be able to give him everything that he needs. You know, so, yeah, he's definitely, definitely a superstar, but I think they'll progress him in the right way so they won't rush him. Like him rushing into a fight now with Tank would just be stupidity, if you ask me. Yeah, I think... (laughs) Uh, you know, for me, it's funny having two teenagers because they, they know him as like the like YouTube guy, you know, they don't, they don't know him as the boxer, you know? And, and so I'm, I made my son watch, watch his last fight. And and it's funny that you say that because in his previous fights, and and you see that a lot in, in, in men's boxing where there's a bunch of hype. So they'll feed somebody 10 fights that are just like, oh yeah, man, here you go. Let's rack you up to 11 and 0. Yeah. And, and he had, he had a, you know, I mean, fuck, I'm not boxing any of the dudes that he's boxing, but where his skill set at, they were easy fights. And I had said to my son, I said, the way he comes out with that chin like that, I said, eventually he's going to get caught. And I think him getting caught in that last he fight did. and getting knocked down, he was like, oh shit. So I hope, yeah. I hope that's uh I think it'll be one of the first things that they start to adjust on him. Um, I've been seeing him be doing that, like in all his fights, and I'm like, if he gets caught yeah. on that chin, like, is he gonna, is he gonna be able to take it? But you know, he not from Lopez. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Even Tank, like Tank, has yeah. got some crazy, like natural born power. But um, I think that you know they'll settle him, and and they won't rush into those fights. Like it would just be dumb. Um, it's definitely doing a lot for building the building those fights up, which is part of part of boxing. You know, to be able to build that fight up to a point where it's going to be a super fight. But hopefully, those big fights don't actually take as long as something like the Mayweather-Pacquiao fight took. Yeah. You know what I mean? When they're past their prime and. That was what was so good about, like, when Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, and all those guys were fighting. They were in their prime, and they were fucking amazing fights. Yeah, that leads me on my next question. What's, what's your favorite fight of all time? Oh, God. I would say, I would say that um, Sugar Ray Leonard and Roberto Duran, like, both of those fights, they were mm-hmm. just crazy, man. Like, damn. And, and Hearns, Hearns and Leonard. Hag- oh, yep. Hearns and Hagler, that's my favorite fight. Those moments, man. Like, those fights were just so insane. Oh, man, what amazing fights. And I think that, you know, fights like that could be made, right, you know, in that division that we're talking about in particular with Lopez. There's Lopez, there's Haney, there's, um, you know, Javante Davis and and Garcia. Like, that's a pretty stacked stacked um weight you know what i mean to make those really good fights but i think that we'll be waiting a while for some of them (laughs) yeah which so do you think they're all young they're all young too you know yeah do you do you think the mma is hurting boxing because i remember growing up you know i've been watching mma since i was six years old since the ufc started yeah and i and i watched it go from 
you know, someone either bought the pay-per-view or you rented the VHSs from Blockbuster, but boxing was, that was it in the 90s. Like, yeah. boxing was the sport, you know? Yeah. And since the UFC has grown, I feel like less people care about boxing unless it's this huge fight, right? Unless it's Ruiz and Joshua, you know, like, um, do you think the future uh, of boxing... I think... I, I think Gone. I was just going to say, do you think the future of boxing uh, is, is bright or do you think it's going to continue to to have less interest because of mixed martial arts? Um, I think it's definitely being shared and spread across. Um, but I don't think it's ever going to be dying, man. It's just one of those sports that people people love. People get to watch people get beat up. Um, yep. <laughs> that's just what it is. You know, I hate all this stuff. Oh, that's a blood sport. No, it's a real sport, actually. And yeah, yep. whether you love it or you hate it, you're still going to freaking watch it because that's just human nature to watch people get freaking beat up. You know what I mean? Um, I think I think that it also comes down like the promotion and stuff. I got to understand back in that day, like, you know, there was um, Bob Arum who's been promoting for a long time and, and Don King. And Don King monopolized a lot of boxing, which... Um, you know, I think from my point of view is he did a fucking phenomenal job at promoting fights. Um, don't know what he was like as a person in general, but at promoting fights, like he was one of the best to ever do it because he just had all the fighters. And then that's how the great fights got made because he, he had signed them all that to him. It wouldn't matter if they won or lost. He was, he was still winning. Mm-hmm. And he was still making, you know, making money off it. So I think that was a good thing because then that's when it pushed the best to fight the best. And it made those, some of the greatest fights of all time, you know. Um, now there's like so many different promoters, so many different TV networks, so many different like business things that you have to overcome for one fighter to stand in the ring with another fighter. Like um, there's a lot of hoops to go through, which I think actually with COVID you've seen them actually working together a whole lot more to put on good fights because now there's no stadiums to fill and networks are working with each other more so and promoters are working with each other more so to have these big big fights because how are they going to how are they going to capitalize and make make good returns on this without putting on a good fight because not everybody will want to tune into you know just what you would be happy to go and watch at a stadium because you love the vibe of being there and watching the fights live. So, Yeah. I think the big thing that boxing has going for it is like you're saying, even people that say they don't like violence, if two people are fighting on the street, they're going to go watch it. And (laughs) the thing that's great with boxing is in MMA, there's so much groundwork and clinching and there's so much shit going on where people that don't train are like, fucking fight each other. What are you doing? Yeah. Fight, you like know? Like, they don't understand the techniques mm-hmm. of, of some of that stuff. With boxing, They just want to see you get hit. Yeah. And that's what I mean. Like, there's so many people that no blood sport. It's like, yeah, but that's the exciting part. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it is. Like, a lot of people won't understand the technique of MMA too, too much as boxing. You're just straight out hitting each other until somebody's not standing no more. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And and to me, that's like the craziest thing in the world. I've only been knocked out once and out, out. uh, No. And I wasn't even out cold. It was funny. I got clipped. I got clipped behind the ear behind my, from my coach. That's the spot though. Hey. Yeah. (laughs) And I, um, in my head, I just kind of lost my footing a little bit Uh and it was real bright. 
but then my coach came up and like grabbed me and was like holding me and he's like you're fine you're fine and I was like and I was like I know I'm fine and like went to push him off like what like what what the fuck's going on and then it was kind of replayed back to me that I had like stiff legged took like six steps and was like on my way down but I thought I was fine you know so the thought of um (laughs) I always like remember watching boxing and just think of like, now that I have the perspective of what that's like. And then the idea of someone standing you up and being like, you ready to go? And you're just like, I think so. (laughs) You know, (laughs) like, fuck, I think so. And like, yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's why I think boxing will be around forever because there's, it's so pure, man. It's just one of those sports, hey, like it's been around for so long. It's got so much history. Um, You know, I think it goes through its ebbs and flows just like a lot of businesses. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's to do with the athletes that are coming through, like, and the divisions, like, you know, like that division stacked and the middleweight, I think the weights that um, Canelo's in um, are pretty stacked with some pretty good fights that could be made. So, and people want to see him, whether they get made or not, you still got the fans wanting to be like, I want to see that. I want to see that. Is it going to happen? So it continues to have that interest in it, regardless of if, we actually do get to see these great fights or not you know yeah yeah how long have you been training four and a half years did you say since you were 16 no 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 i grew up wrestling but i've been doing i've been doing jujitsu uh and muay thai for yeah a little over four years now yeah nice but yeah yeah keep you so fit right yeah, it keeps me well. Yeah, it's funny. My that's what my my wife's joke. I'm like, oh man, I stay in great shape. She's like, yeah, but you're also always injured, you know. <laughs> but that's so true. Yeah, but um, yeah, man, I just love it. You know, I think it's I think it's a really pure thing. I think, you know, there's there's few. Does that help you? Oh man, and 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 it's changed my tolerance for bullshit. You know, I don't, it takes a lot for me to lose my cool. Um, Especially when dealing with, you know, shit just happens on the road, whether it's like a van breaking down or just shit going awry. Um, And it's really given me this ability to like, to problem solve without, without like losing my shit where I'm just like, all right, man, there's not even a threat of violence here. Like we're good. I can, there's not even a threat of violence. you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not even in physical danger right now. Like, we're fine. We'll figure it out. Cool. And, yeah, like, just chills you out a bit more. Yeah, and I always say, like, you know, um, the scale of human interaction, like, on a one being we made eye contact at a 10, we're in a fist fight. It's like, if you spend a bunch of time at 10, you know, one through nine become cakewalks, you know? And I used to be a real hothead. And, oh, dude, I was just going to say and And I've had... I've had probably three or four situations in the last few years where somebody was dead set on starting a fight with me. And I felt an immense sense of empathy for that person where I was like, oh, dude, like I could, because of all the episodes in the gym. You didn't react towards it. Hey, you No, I could just see their hurt and just be like, oh man, this shit ain't me. This is your wife. This is your, you know, this is your job. This is some other shit. I'm not going to let you take it out on me, bro. You're good. Yep. You'll kick my ass. I got it. Have a good one, you know, like it's, yeah, it's so rad that it does that. Hey, like it does. It does help you problem solve so much. Like people don't really realize what like learning these um learning these sports and um what it actually does for you. Hey, like when you said it just helps you problem solve so much easier. Like 
it's the truth. Like I said to you, when Dean said to me that you're going to have to overcome different challenges all the time, like to think about that as a life thing, it's, it's the truth. And that really just gives you the different perspective and how to, how to react or not react to situations and just be like, okay, that's happened. Let's try it this way without even having any inch of emotion of attached to it. It's just like, Oh, okay, well, all right, we'll do it this way. Or do it yeah. That and way, I, you know? and I think there's a lot to like, um, people tend to pick the path of least resistance. Like that's how they mitigate yeah. their reaction. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. well, I'll keep my head down. I won't do hard shit. And I'll just like, hopefully have this nice, easy path where I don't have to deal easy. with conflict where it's like, I think when you're purposely happen. putting yourself and putting your hands into a coach where you're like, oh. yeah, man, break me. You yeah. know what I mean? Push, push me until I fall over today. Um, mm -hmm. That when you take that out into life, you know, your understanding of your breaking point is like, yeah, man, no, I fucking broke before and rear ending someone is not going to break me. Like this is not yeah. a breaking point, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like it just super teaches you more about yourself. Hey. Yeah. You dig, you, you drag yourself to the deep end on purpose. And, and most people don't do I that. Love it. You know? I love it. I'm I such know. a fiend for a day. Like I seen those new uh, TV shows with, with um, like the kind of like buds training like that yeah. training stuff. Yep. And I'm like, Oh, I want to do that. Like, yeah. yeah, that would be so good. Like, I just love that mental challenge of stuff. I think since forever. And I didn't really realize how much I actually really love it, but I love being in training camp and just fuck, just working my ass off and getting pushed to the point where I didn't, didn't feel like I could go that far. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, and I feel like that happens so much when, when your life revolves around physical fitness too, is you're yeah. constantly looking for like, looking okay, for where's my edge and can I go yeah. past it today? Yeah, that's so right. And you know, they say like a lot of athletes will suffer from depression and stuff like that. And I think that's why, cause you're so used to pushing yourself in that way that when like an athlete finishes up their career, they don't know what to do with themselves. You know what I mean? That they don't know how to express themselves or challenge themselves in a way that they used to, because, you know, challenging yourself physically is completely different to challenging yourself in business or doing something, you know, in that different area. So it's like, how do you get that when you finish up as an athlete? Like, I think that's where a lot of people get lost. What do you want to do? That's, that's, that's my last question. What do you want to do? Do you want to be a coach? Um, you know, I've, I've trained people now as well. Like, and I do love it. Like I love seeing when I push them past their limits and their eyes just light up, but I actually, like, I've also been speaking a lot of, like as a guest about mental health and I feel very passionate about it because of what I went through and how much this, how much sport has helped me um, deal with, like deal with my mental health and things like that. So I've just, I think that I want to be able to, get in touch with the youth because I think early prevention is probably the key. And because what we're seeing around the world is so like, it's like never before. And, um, you know, kids self harming at the age of 10 and stuff like that. It's like, why is this happening? And how can we, how can we educate them as, as children or young teens to be able to deal with what life is throwing at them and not go down that path of, you know, either suicide or, you know, self-harm or drugs and alcohol or things like that. And cause I, you know, I pretty much have lived through, um, you know, a pretty crazy teenage life and skateboarding and all that kind of stuff, having to overcome these things. I mean, I was kicked out of home when I was 
really young, like I was 16, living out of home and having to find my own way and finding my own successes. But dealing with these things, I think to be able to relate to the youth and talk to them about that is something that I'm really passionate about. So I'm looking at developing some stuff right now where I can go in and um, do some work with the youth and teach them some boxing, but mostly around like that, giving them some kind of idea on how to take control of their mental health. Mm, I love that. Yeah, I love that. Well, thank you so much for taking time today. Yeah. I really, really enjoyed talking to you. And hopefully when COVID, I mean, we get a lot of love in Australia, um, just like looking at our streaming data, you know, yeah, and, dude, and you would like the people who love you down here, like, really? Yeah, I really, really want to get down there. Um, you know, as soon as that's able to happen, um, I will. But yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully in the future, we can get together and train. Um, Definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you so I'll much. Beat for your taking... ass. Yeah, I know you will. <laughs> I know you will. Just don't um, take me down. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah. Big love to you. Thank you so much for taking yeah, time, man. and uh, let's stay in touch. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. It's really cool to finally meet you, and um, yeah, share with you that your music has touched me deeply as well, and has definitely helped me through some through some challenging moments in my life as well, man. So keep doing your thing. Yeah, likewise. That means a lot. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll talk soon. Cheers. Peace. Bye. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, like I said. We're back in action. Um, I got some cool guests lined up. Uh, right now, we're just trying to schedule. Um, got, um, well, you'll just have to see. But got some more musicians, got some amazing um, uh, charitable characters that are also pro fighters. Um, yeah, lots of cool shit lined up. But God bless y'all. As always, be kind um, and drink water. Uh, I think I'm going to do another solo podcast here soon. A lot has happened, a lot going on. Uh, you know, it's just a fucking crazy time. Um, and, and honestly, I feel like it would just be good for me to to kind of think out loud for an hour. So, um, yeah, maybe I'll do like a fucking Instagram live or something and let y'all send me questions as I'm doing it. Anywho, um, big love to y'all. Take care of one another and we'll talk soon. Peace.